So just two minutes remaining in the first period of extra time as David Robertson launches the long throw into the box. Van der Aert going to touch, there's Nicholas. It's back to Mason! 2-1 to Aberdeen. Jockey Scott on the track. And the long throw did all the damage. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the latest By The Minute Aberdeen podcast. Now, you're spared the opinions of our usual contributors this week, although you will hear Martin chipping in a little bit later on as he is the second contestant to take part in our fabulous new feature, McMastermind. Yep, it's back, but joining us tonight, we're delighted to welcome back, it's uh, David McGregor of indie pop sensations, Kid Canaveral. Hello, how you doing? <laughs> Great to have you back, David. Also, while well, Amani's now part of the establishment, he's the man who's designing the Aberdeen programme covers this season. You might know him by Dolly Digital, we also know him by Mark Elric. Mark, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, yourself? Yes, well, thank you. And certainly buoyed by a fourth successive league victory to kick off the season on Saturday at Partick Thistle. But it was anything but plain sailing, I think we'd have to agree. And the first surprise, I think uh, Mark came with the lineup. So Mark Reynolds dropped. Now, certainly you can make a case for that happening, given the defensive performances to date have been far from solid. But I also saw Graham Shinney move for the first time in oh, probably about 10 months, move to left back to accommodate Andy Considine moving inside to centre-half. What did you make of those changes? I'm at a bit of a disadvantage. I, I, didn't, I didn't see the game. I've caught the highlights. I think moving Shinney to left back when his, his natural position for Aberdeen right now is in midfield. Uh, as is Considine's. If you are going to tinker with the back forward, surely Arneson's the logical one to bring in to replace either O'Connor or Reynolds. And personally, I want to see Reynolds and Arneson together. Yeah, the continued absence, uh, David, of Kyle Arneson, it, it, it's beginning to look a bit strange now, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it can't still be fitness-related, can it? I know he didn't look very solid on his one start against Hamilton, but uh, yeah, it looks a bit odd. It does. Um, I, uh, I, I, I had the pleasure of being there and uh, seeing the absolute defensive chaos for the full <laughs> 90. And, um, yeah, I would really like to know what um, uh, Derek's thinking is, keeping him on the bench, um, if, there's, if it's just not happening for him in training. But the, they, were, they were all over the shop um, all, all afternoon Saturday, and it was a really, uh, really difficult watch. <laughs> Well, I think one of the things which uh, post-match Derek came out with to justify the selection was the uh, physical presence that we needed at, uh, at set pieces. Hence, perhaps, Mark Reynolds being benched in favour of Andy Considine. But uh, given that we conceded two utterly chaotic goals from set pieces, it didn't really work that way. And last time that particular back four of Shea Logan, O'Connor, Considine and Shinney played together was up at Ross County last December. And, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a clusterfuck that day as well, Mark. Yeah. I mean, what else, what else can you say about that? That was a, a, an utter clusterfuck. So, yeah, I mean, maybe you just thought you, you couldn't have two clusterfucks at the same time. <laughs> but uh, by definition, <laughs> it, it, it happened, you know. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe just 
So we'll try that again. The, 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 he didn't look particularly confident uh, for him, like especially O'Connor as well, who was very hesitant on picking uh, options for distribution. He seemed nervous when bringing the ball forward and took quite a took quite a lot of time in the ball. It was a real slackness. Uh, I mean, for their uh, first goal, it was similar to the Dundee's goal. It was a, an errant pass, uh, but it was from uh, Shinny this time. And um, it's just... The, uh, they looked to be completely at sixes and sevens um, any time that Thistle pressed. And there's maybe an elephant in the room here, so let's talk about it. Uh, we no longer have the guy who last year was who spent most of the season screening the centre-halves, sitting as a defensive midfielder, acting as a pivot. We've got a different setup, a different formation. But Mark, are we missing Ryan Jack or a similar type player? We could be. We could be. We... With the Thistle goal, when watching the highlights, um, and is it Tansy? I think Tansy kind of steps off early in the build-up, and we don't recover from that. And then you know the, the space found, the ball comes through. Lewis isn't often beaten by beaten from eighteen yards. Sorry, um, are we missing Ryan Jack? Do you want me to say it? <laughs> Do you want me to say it? I think I think Ryan Jack definitely performed that role very well for us, and we're probably missing a Ryan Jack-type character who will just kind of sit there and, and be the metronome and pass it around and kind of cover the back four a little bit. But I don't think, I don't think switching the, the back four and then that kind of the mistake, I think it's Pansy, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he kind of steps off and I think that's, that's where the goal comes from. I mean, clearly Derek's trying to install a new way of playing and it's going to be slightly different. It's a more adventurous midfield that he's going with this season, David. That adjustment Coupled with continual changes to the actual lineup of the back four, it's just a recipe for disaster, really, isn't it? Uh, and uh, later on in the match, we seemed at a point where um, Logan and O'Connor lost control of the match and then lost control of their tempers with each other. Yeah. And you don't want to see your own players fighting with each other on the pitch, especially when you know we were looking in no way comfortable in the match. I think you were. Was it last week you were saying that? Our, our, our tactics uh, seem to be just to score more goals than the opposition at the minute, and that that does work to a point because we played some very entertaining football, but uh, only in the not in the, not in our defensive club. Well, we are very fortunate that we do have a great deal of attacking talent at our disposal, and certainly it clicked a lot better going forward on Saturday than it had done the previous week against Dundee. And that first goal, some smart interplay leading up to it. Uh, Shea Logan, that's definitely a shot, isn't it, Mark? But Ryan Cousy does really well to bring it under control immediately and a nice calm finish. Expecting it to be quite straightforward at that point? Yeah, definitely. I mean, looking back on it, I was I was following by the men's uh, Twitter feed, obviously, to, obviously. to keep up to date with the score. And uh, I saw I saw some chat about how it's a mishit and all this sort of stuff from Logan. It is, it is a powerful ball coming in. Whether it's a shot, it's definitely not a pass. But Christie's quick feet is, is something else to, to watch. Um, and he controls that so well and, and, and puts it away. And you think 1-0 up, what kind of five minutes gone, you think easy street, yeah. But yeah, we don't, we don't build on it, which was really, um, again, one of the things which we were famed for last season. We, we only actually lost the one game all of last season that we took the lead in. Unfortunately, that was the biggest game. It was the Scottish Cup final, but, but there you are. It was something we were good at, building on leads last season. By the quarter uh, of an hour mark... David, it, it all turned round, and their second goal 
Oh my god, what is Kenny McLean playing at? Uh, it was almost some finish from him. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, I think the real problem uh, was, you know, Kenny McLean's had a an interesting approach there, shall we say. But then uh, uh, Joe Lewis is just he's, he's abandoned by his defence. They're all caught flat-footed, and uh, Doolan's the quickest to get get to that. I mean, nobody in a gun shot there looked uh, like they were paying any sort of real attention to it. They're all ball watching. Yeah, it's classic striker play from Chris Doolin, and I think we've got to, as much as uh, later on in this conversation we'll talk about Adam Rooney doing the same thing in that same penalty box, it was it was a smart finish by Doolin uh, to put them 2-1 up. It but was. even then, so we, we were far from out of the game, we were creating chances. There was a penalty shout before we actually got a penalty kick, which looked an absolute stick on David. I don't know what how it looked from the stand, but um, Bannigan on Christie from behind? It looked stone wall from the stands, I... Um... There was some, definitely some invective being aimed at Madden from that point <laughs> onwards. And even when it came to the actual penalty, it seemed to be the the lines when it gave it rather than Madden, which is fair enough because he wouldn't have seen the push. See, I had a real, I had a real issue with that because uh, Madden was beginning to lose control of the match at that point. I think um, he was he was uh, trying to go for equivalence. He would miss one thing and then <clears throat> then make up with it for, for a softer foul. And I, I do not know how he did not award us that penalty and had to go for the linesman, wait for the linesman to tell him for it, because there are two arms outstretched in the back of Ryan Christie there. And it's, again, we could all see it. Um, when I watch the highlights, and there's nobody in between uh, Madden and um, his Bannigan again, isn't it? Thistle mm-hmm. would have maybe a, a couple of things to grumble about, certainly, but not from the refereeing performance, but certainly not game-changers. It was, it was shortly afterwards uh, that Keon should have been off for that uh, elbow on Stevie May. That was that was right in front of us, and there was uh, real intent there. Uh, Mark, as much as we'd maybe like to suggest that there is an agenda, there isn't, is there? It's just Bobby Madden is, um, in keeping with a lot of the referees in this league, pretty hopeless at his job. Name name a good name a good referee. I think that's a fair point. Just just one, you know, like. You're saying Madden got this wrong and Madden got that wrong. Um, you, you can the list is endless, you know. But I, I can't I can't remember one time recently where you kind of you, you look at the program or the team sheets or whatever, and you you know that you're going to have a strong referee, a decent referee. They're terrible, and to even question whether that's a, a penalty or not is ridiculous. It was, uh, yeah, it was like uh, Willie Collins had a shake his head for the day. <laughs> like it point. We are getting to the point now where Willie Collins is probably one of the best in the league, though, aren't we? <laughs> what a state that's what we're at. That's where we're at. You look at you see Willie Collins appearing on the list, and you think, oh well, you know, it's going to be insane, but it's um, at least it's going to be entertainingly insane. You know, there'll be absolutely no. Uh, right, no reason to Colin's d- uh, decisions, but it will at least be entertainingly so. At least you know what you're going to get with Colin. You know, like there is no, there is no half measures. You know, it's going to be frustrating. I love shouting at the referee, though. So I mean, I, I can't complain too much. <laughs> yeah, in ten years' time, we'll have the video um, assistance refs or whatever they're called uh, in this league as well. In fact, probably longer than ten. It'll be ten everywhere else. We'll be another ten after that. We'll be. Uh, behind the curve as usual, but um, we did make it back to 2-2 for half-time, important that we did that I think to get on terms then, then we come out to start the second half and I think 
last week against Dundee, it's fair to say we were very lucky to get the three points. I didn't feel we were lucky on Saturday, David. I felt that defensively we were a shambles, but I felt that we, we had a threat every time we went forward. And Scott Wright's goal for 3-2, fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it couldn't be argued that we didn't deserve the win at the end, in the end of the day, but just uh, Ryan Christie's acrobatics just before half time as well, um, when he uh, almost scored, you know, goal of the the season already, uh, that uh, just seemed to, to hang in the air for about five minutes from uh, from where we were sitting, um, and then to have Scott Wright have an absolutely sublime strike uh, to take us um, uh, into the lead again was. It felt like we were really kind of turning on the style at that point, and then it, it, it comes to the just unbelievable clown car football for the the equaliser. Uh, yeah, the equaliser. It's a it's a corner to them, and um, nobody bothers to move in our defence. <laughs> Stevie May is normally meant to be marking the Park Thistle uh, player, but doesn't even bother to jump. Um, Mark, it was, yeah, after the game, Derek McInnes spoke about um, knowing before the game we'd picked a small team that would be vulnerable at set pieces, but we didn't help ourselves, did we? No, we didn't. No. I mean, I thought there was echoes of Stevie May's goal against uh, against Dundee for Park Thistle's equaliser. Like, Considine's dragged front post by, the park, by a park attacker, apologies, of who it was and Stevie May's left back and you're right he doesn't he doesn't challenge he doesn't he doesn't go for it but it's, it's the attacker dragging Considine to the front post I think which frees up the man behind which Stevie May let's be let's be honest he's an attacker you know like he's he's maybe he's the best person to be attacking a ball but he's he's there to defend it and maybe he's not he doesn't hit it with the same gusto as he probably would normally you know so David after the game again Durham kind of speaks about uh, certain players uh, being trusted to perform all their defensive duties. Uh, trust is a big word for McInnes. Uh, I, I think if you look back, you'll you'll see that throughout his time at Aberdeen. But that seemed to me to be a bit of a coded warning to, to Stevie May, that he can come in and he can do the good stuff at one end, but he's also required to do the, the dirty defensive work. Absolutely. But um, in fairness to Stevie May, he, he also, at one point um, during the second half, he, he ran about 50 yards to... Make a challenge and uh, start another attacking move. I mean, he he was tireless on the day. He was perhaps, you know, quite at fault for that goal. But I mean, he put in a real shift. I felt. So three three, an hour gone, just an hour gone. It could have been anything at that point. But we do have a a, a modicum of control of the match. Derek makes some changes up front. Brings on Adam Rooney, and he gets the winner. And it's exactly what you'd expect from Rooney doing what he does best, just being a nuisance within that box and getting the faintest of touches to to mark another beautiful ball in from Ryan Christie. He was so off the boil last week against Dundee, but he was on it once again on Saturday. Definitely, yeah. I mean, Christie's a joy to watch. Um, and Rooney, Rooney's running, he's pointing exactly to where he wants the ball played. And, and it's exactly where he wants it. Rooney knows it's coming, he knows he's going to get to it. And uh, yeah, that's a winning goal. I mean, Rooney doing what Rooney does. I mean, there's been a huge debate, uh, David, about uh, striking options at the club this summer. We've got quite a mix of strikers at the moment, but um, we're talking about a guy here who may not contribute so much to the build-up play, which is always a thing levelled at him, but 
my word, does he contribute with goals? Absolutely. I mean, he's one of our most reliable players um, for doing what he's meant to. Admittedly, he's, he's not that quick off the ball sometimes, but if you need a goal, then you should go to a man. And a word once again, um, David, about Ryan Christie's ball in. Would he have been your man of the match on Saturday? I thought he had a, a fantastic match. And, I mean, maybe that's made all the more striking. Or maybe it was even... Maybe the fact he was so kind of underwhelming against Dundee, but I mean, I thought he had an, an incredible, an incredible day. I, and that 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 uh, that delivery for the the winner was just it was exquisite. And that was only about eight minutes to go, and uh, un- you know, rather surprisingly, given the calamity that had gone before us, uh, we actually saw out the last eight ten minutes with a relatively few scares, uh, and it was a, must have been a good atmosphere in the away end at full time, David. Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, uh, relief as much as joy, I think. Um, considering it had just gone out for a thistle corner when the full-time whistle went. So. Yeah, we can't be done with too many more of those afternoons uh, during the course of this season. Certainly not good for my blood pressure, but uh, a very fine three no. points. Um, against the side who were top six last season, obviously. And uh, yeah, another, another win, another away win. Eight successive domestic away win, club record. And uh, obviously four league wins to start the season. You couldn't really ask for too much more on the domestic front. So we've got a week off for the international break. uh, But in the middle of that is the transfer deadline, which comes up on Thursday night. Now, some movement expected, certainly expected out the way, Mark. And Jaden Stockley, apparently off to Exeter, where he spent six months on loan prior to joining Aberdeen. Um, and maybe even for a fee, which would be quite surprising news. It should hopefully give us some room for manoeuvre, shouldn't it? It should give us some room for manoeuvre. I mean, if there's going to be extra funds coming in and player going out, um, extra fans seem equally delighted that he's, he's heading there as well. So, yeah. David, it's really just run its course, really, for Jaden Stock, isn't it? He's got a reputation now amongst referees, amongst opposition fans, amongst their own fans. He doesn't have the best of reputations either, does he? No, not at all. Um, I've seen quite a lot of harsh, perhaps too harsh comment from Don's fans online, but I can understand their frustration. I mean, he showed such promise. I mean, he had that goal against Thistle last season, which was a fine strike, um, but... He's become too much of a liability. Every time you see he's coming off the bench, you think, well, that's us with 10, uh, 10 men in the park within, you know, 10 minutes probably. That's quite harsh on him as well, though. You know, the the red cards he's had, they've not really been stonewall reds, have they? It's a learning thing, I mean, though, isn't it, Mark? A... You especially like the Ibox one, where it was two yellows in the space of about five minutes for exactly the same thing. You want well, yeah, the players to show signs yeah, of learning, and there just wasn't there. But no, I, I think. Yeah, but I mean, it goes back to Maribor last season. You know, he had two yellows, quite harsh yellows, I yeah. would say, or I'd argue one of them very harsh. And it's just kind of went on from there. You know, players, players that are coming up against him regularly know how to play him. I think mm-hmm. so. It's probably for everyone's benefit if if Stockley was to leave Aberdeen or leave Scotland. It's probably better for his career as well. I certainly, and the Maribor. Uh, he should never have been off against them. That was, that no. was shocking. But he does get stuck in. And yeah, I think people perhaps have learned how to play against him because of that. Is it just Tierney a... in the cup final is an example of that. Tierney, I think, positions himself in a position where Stockley is going to be making one of his 
one of his moves, I suppose, and he kind of he, he goes down and stuff. So that that kind of thing is going to happen week in week out. Whenever he's on the pitch, that's going to happen. It's also the case, though, surely, isn't it, that uh, Stevie May can bring what Jaden Stockley brought plus a whole lot more, David. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Stevie May is a lot more kind of sprightly, shall we say, than Stockley. Uh, having you know watched the pair of them, he seems he seems to be able to cover a lot more of the pitch, uh, May. Um, and I'm not sure if that's still a lot of the kind of he just moved and he's got something to prove, but he has. He was up and down that pitch all, uh, all afternoon in a way that Stockley I've never seen him do. Mark, three games into Stevie May's career uh, at Aberdeen. What do you think of him so far? I've got nothing but good things to say about him. He's, he's I mean, he scores two on his debut. That goes to a fan, you know, from his home debut. Yeah, I like I like what he does. I haven't had a chance to kind of watch him properly. But yeah, I mean, it's obvious he's... McInnes's man, and I think maybe that's where you're seeing this extra effort that maybe is perceived he's, he's putting into games. Maybe he's just like that, but if you work for somebody that believes in you, then you probably do that extra little bit as well. And he's he's wanting to be accepted, and yeah, I think he's going to be a great signing. I know that's that's the obvious thing to say, but he's going to be a great signing for us. It must just be great, uh, David, for him just to be back playing regularly again after you know what's two and a half years really between injury and not being selected as first choice at Sheffield Wednesday it, it, it must just be a fantastic feeling for him a freedom for him really uh, and I think you can really see that uh, in the way he's been playing I got some hot gossip from a, a taxi driver and was on the way to McDermott Park <laughs> a few other and he was suggesting that uh, May never actually wanted to leave St Johnson well I think he, he certainly suited the, the Scottish game and he, he enjoyed being part of that St. Johnson team. And I think it's very telling that uh, apparently the first conversation he had with Alex Neal was telling him that he wanted to sign for Aberdeen. I just wish we'd been able to get him for the European Games. I think he could have made a big difference there. In terms of the squad balance, if Jaden Stockley is away, maybe there's room, room for manoeuvre, maybe there's more work, uh, business can be done. A lot of clamour online, Mark, for a centre-half, but... I really don't see that he's going to sign another one with three in the squad, plus Considine and McKenna both able to fill in there. I can't see it either. I can't see it at all. But I've I heard some uh, chat from a taxi driver, and no, it wasn't a taxi driver. <laughs> but I've I've heard that there are there are moves for for a centre half. But um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we do need it. Maybe maybe Saturday was telling. That you know we've we've reshuffled it and it still isn't working. Maybe there is somebody else that we need in there. I don't know. I'm, I'm not McInnes, but um, I think it would probably be good to go. Well, we've got uh, both really the guys that have started most of the. Well, in fact, all three of the centre halves, the main centre halves, are out of contract at the end of the season. So it might be a case where he just brings in and tries to upgrade from what's already there, David. Uh, again, it's unlike McInnes to leave key business to this late in the window, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, that, that, that does does worry me. Um, but after after watching you know, our, our, some of our defensive performances this season, uh, it does surprise me that he's not going to try and strengthen the squad, because having rotated that it's still not working, and it's it was looking that I mean, if we no no harm to Thistle at all, I thought you know they were good value for their top six last season. But if we'd been playing a better team on Saturday, then we would have been leaking goals. 
Well, we did leak three. I think that's plenty to be getting along with, to be honest. Mark, if you think if you agree with us that you'd be maybe surprised to see a centre half come in, where do you think we are weak and could do with being strengthened? It is probably at centre half, to be fair. You know, it is it is probably there. Or a left back, maybe. Um that's probably where we would need strengthening and it's a it's an age old complaint from Aberdeen fans. Um I mean Constein does a job there. Um but if you're talking about upgrading, then maybe a left back would be what you're after. But it's really tough to to, to point your finger at where needs strengthening right now after four domestic wins. You know, we haven't lost a game. It'd be a different conversation if we'd lost that first four. Then we'd be saying, well, you know, this is at fault and he hasn't settled in yet and this needs done. It's really tough, but I think if we were going to pinpoint somewhere, it would be covering fullback areas. So cover for Shea Logan, cover for Considine. Perhaps an upgrade on either, you know, but um, definitely somebody that can play both those sides. I would say that would be what I would do. Looking at the names out of contract next summer, David, um, I'm just going to throw some names at you and uh, see what you think. Craig's story, for example, seems miles out of the picture now, and uh, it's surely too old to be going on another development loan. You kind of feel that he might be mutually consented by the end of the window. Yeah, definitely. I mean... There can't be much more development there can't, uh, available to him going out again to a lower league team. Uh, another midfielder, Mark, uh, Frank Ross, who had bit part appearances last season, but again, hasn't really hasn't made the 18 this season because of the new faces that have come in. Uh, he's a bit younger. You would feel that maybe some, some first-team game time elsewhere for six months at least would, would help him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's always looked good when he has came on for kind of last 10 minutes here, last quarter of an hour. And uh, what he probably needs is regular football. So, yeah, a lower league team, maybe to a Dundee United or something. <laughs> and then we've got uh, two guys on the fringes of the team who, at the moment, I think we need to keep around because we need that cover. Daniel Harvey, who's a left-back, who spent most of last season at Dumbarton in the Championship. And Scott McKenna, who's a centre-half, who was at uh, Ayr intermittently um, last season as well. Do you see them hanging around the squad or do you see them, again, it's going to be, it's a difficult one, isn't it? You need the squad cover, but you also need to do what's best for them too. And there's only so long you can reasonably expect them to to hang on without actually getting any game time. Uh, so your considered opinion, Mark, is that there might be some business for Thursday and um, maybe we shouldn't be going to bed too early on transfer deadline night. Oh, no, no, you've got to stay up right till... Was it eleven o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> it does seem for some people it'll be like the highlight of their season, doesn't it? Those people that like the soap opera aspect to the game, they they get really worked up by it. Yeah, I mean, well, it gives you something to talk about, doesn't it? You know, and what else are you doing on Thursday on on Twitter? You're just going to be uh, <laughs> refreshing and, and whatever, you know. Uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Does McInnes like you're saying? He conducts his business early, and he does conduct his. Is important business, really. Yeah. But is there not usually like a kind of a last-minute kind of shuffle or a, a, a joker kind of thrown in or something, no? I think there's often been some movement from the English loan market towards the end of the window. James yeah. Madison last year, for example. But in terms of, yeah. you know, key areas of the squad, key signings, I think he obviously must feel yeah. that his centre-halves and his midfield are as good to go as he's going to get. But if there's an opportunity to bring to bring a young player through, it might be a Michael Hector, 
might be a James Madison yeah. or it might be a Josh Parker type. Who knows? But uh, yeah. <laughs> you run that risk, don't you? So so we'll see. That would be my expectations. It would be someone on loan, perhaps. And, you know, we've seen over the last few years that the quality of the loan signings we've been able to get, because we've done well by those players we've brought in and because we're maybe... You know, we're doing well domestically and getting a bigger profile. We're able to get players of a better standard each year. And hopefully, again, we can get somebody in who can make an impact, like Ryan Christie's done, like uh, James Madison did as well. So that's to come this week. Um, yes, there'll be a lot of uh, pant-wetting on Twitter, no doubt. <laughs> but we look forward to it. So now it's the return of our McMastermind feature. Tonight's contestant, your name please. Martin Clunas. You supporting Redons? 36. And your specialist subject tonight? The life and times of Antoine Kumbwari. Martin, your two minutes of questions on the life and times of Antoine Tony Kumbwari start now. Tony was signed from which club in autumn 1996? Sion. Against which club did Tony play his only Scottish Cup games for the club? Uh, Dundee United? No, it was Hibs. How many European <sighs> matches did Tony play for the Dons? None. Correct. Who scored four goals in Tony's debut match? Uh, Dean Windus. Correct. What age was Tony when he signed for the Dons? <laughs> um, 33 32 Tony's first goal for the club coincided with his home debut who was it against? Uh, Kilmarnock Correct what, Which French club is Tony currently the manager of? Uh, Valenciennes No, uh, Guingamp That's right. At which ground did Dundee United beat Combrari's Aberdeen 3-1 in the League Cup semi-final of 1997? Uh, Easter Road. It was Tynecastle. And who scored the Don's goal that evening? Um, Billy Dodds. Dean Windass. Which player was brought back to the club in summer 1997 to partner Tony in central defence? Uh, John Ingalls. It was Gary Smith. Tony played oh. in front of four goalkeepers during his 18 months at the club. Nicky Walker, Michael Watt and Jim Layton were three of them. Who was the fourth? Um, Derek Stilley. Correct. Tony's final Dons goal came against which club in a 2-2 draw in March 1997? Uh, the artist formerly known as Rangers. Correct. In which French-controlled island group in the South Pacific with a Scottish name was Tony born in? Uh, New Caledonia. Correct. Martin, at the end of that round, you scored seven points. Oh, no! You were at no passes, 
uh, and quite a few wrong answers. Yes, Life and Times of Tony Canberra, uh, quite a limited subject, has to be said. Made it hard for yourself, I think. Oh, uh, well, I mean, the, um, when I met him, he described me as his friend, so I thought it was only fair I, I chose him. Martin, <laughs> thank you for playing. It's a pleasure. So after we're through with these uh, international games, um, which uh, Scotland will probably win one and draw one in disappointing fashion, we go to Tynecastle for what is undoubtedly our biggest test to date. Except we don't go to Tynecastle. We go to Murrayfield. Yeah, it's going to be odd. Are we not taking 45,000? <laughs> is that a latest estimate? That, that's, that's, that's what I've uh, heard, yeah. <laughs> Since I'm part of the establishment, that's that's how many tickets have been printed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean, uh, it's a chance to go to a stadium that you know you never see football in, or rarely see football in. Never if you're an Aberdeen fan. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It it, it does have a kind of, I think, a, a bit of a, a special kind of feeling to it not quite cup final but you know like well I'm, I'm i'm heading down with my dad and my brother and all that sort of stuff just because it is like a unique experience i suppose i mean it'll be we'll have to adapt obviously david but hearts will have to adapt as well it'll be their first game at this temporary residence they've got there so so they don't have the home advantage which would usually be quite a reasonable home advantage at town because it's one of the more atmospheric stadiums uh-huh. I'm I'm quite sad to miss it. I'll be at my brother-in-law's wedding. Uh, yeah, I've got a, I've actually got a terrible record against watching the Dons against the Hearts. Anytime I've been to Tynecastle, it's been very disappointing. I think it might be quite a terrible uh, kind of match day experience in Murrayfield with only about twenty thousand in there. Sorry, uh, forty-five thousand in there. Because <laughs> um, um, you know. When it's when it's a wee bit empty in there, it does look like uh, dissidents are about to be taken onto the pitch and shot. <laughs> <laughs> but that very brutal stone uh, kind of dictatorship vibe to it. So with your dreadful record against Hearts, I think we should be, we should actually thank your brother-in-law for choosing this Saturday to get married. So so <laughs> thank you for making you sit this one out. But uh, Hearts, not only are they going to be playing in a new stadium, they will have a. Mm, kind of new, kind of old, kind of the guy that was actually in charge for the last couple of years anyway. Craig Levine in charge. Mark, Craig Levine's previous Hearts teams were um, physical. Are we going to see a ramping up of that uh, that style for Hearts again? I think so. I think, yeah, I mean, Levine's, Levine's football is just brutal to watch. I mean, if you had to watch that every second Saturday at home, and I don't think he's going to have changed with age. You know what I mean? I don't think maybe he's taken on any of Cathro's traits. <laughs> he's going to attacking football. It's, it's Craig Levine. It's a, it's a Levine team at Murrayfield. In fact, I don't want to go anymore now that I've started talking about it. <laughs> I, don't want to go, I don't want to see a Craig Levine team at a half-empty Murrayfield. I've changed my opinion mid-conversation. Well, if there's one thing that should work for us, if their team is set up just to frustrate and given that they've only taken uh, what is it, four points on their opening fixtures um, they're not in quite as good a position as we are big pitch should be an opportunity for us to really express ourselves and get at them and if we do win is it time to start getting a little bit carried away David? Oh absolutely um, when, uh, when St John's were ahead at half time on Saturday I was um, already <laughs> planning my Planning my league celebration party in May. Okay, so, so yeah, no, no, I, I'm I'm daring to dream already. 
It'd be funny if this was the year that we won it as well. <laughs> After, you know, coming so close against Dahlia. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all in for, uh, uh, for, um, for the blind hope. Well, we can't, obviously, do anything about what the other sides do, Mark, but we've got our own challenges to improve on what we did last season, which is obviously a record points total. And we're already seven points up on what we had at this point last season. So that's all you can do is continually try and improve upon what those targets that you've set. That's that's what it's about, isn't it? You know, that's it's a, the cliche about how it's a results-based business that we're in and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, improvement is, is what you want to be doing. Um, you talk about blind hope and all that. What's the point? If, if you don't think you can win the league at the beginning of every season, what's the point? I... Maybe it's the age of me, but I remember when we won leagues, and uh, I still start every season seeing us top of the league alphabetically, albeit. Uh, but we can we can win the league. In some years, you know, under the McGee etc., that was never ever going to happen. But still, on day one, you could think you can do it. Now we're on day three. Why not? Why not? Let's win the league. Well, there you go. That's uh, that sounds like a, a suitably positive note to leave things on. Uh, and if you're one of the, fo- <laughs> I know quite un- quite unusual for this podcast, but if you're one of the forty five thousand travelling support uh, to Tancastle, good luck uh, to, to say that again to Murrayfield. Uh, good luck getting in a bar first of all, and um, yeah, make sure you try not to get lost in that cavernous bowl that will be that will be Murrayfield in two weeks time. Next week's podcast will be the long-awaited release of our John McMaster interview. Um, I know you, you will enjoy that. It's a, it's a tremendous chat. Lots of great stories from John. And um, then the week after that, we'll be back. Regular show to discuss, hopefully, a win at Murrayfield. Third time's a charm. I got it right that time. So, my thanks to my guests this evening. Thanks, first of all, to David McGregor. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me back. And to Mark Elwick, a.k.a. Dolly Digital. Thank you. (laughs) An understated goodbye from Mark there, and we'll say goodbye as well. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.